This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. God draws a very strong dividing line between those who are His and those who reject him. If anyone in this room will go to hell, they'll have to first go through this sermon. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. If you were to rewind history to many, many years ago, pre-Civil War, and you stood in the fields where there was oppressive slavery and a time before the emancipation, you know what you might hear sung around you? You might hear this hymn. Draw me close to thee. Grant it, Father, is my plea. Daily walking close with thee. Let it be, Lord, let it be. How could, how could people in such horrible conditions find hope through a hymn like that? It's because they didn't know about God. It's because even in the oppression, they found an anchor in knowing God. One of the most beautiful verses that's worth memorizing, and it's short. It can be found in James. James chapter four, verse eight. And I'm only gonna even look at the first part of the verse. And this is a promise from a father. Now, I talked about a dividing line. If you love the Lord, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you have God as your father. For all of creation, he is a creator. But for his Sons and daughters, he's a father. And this is a promise from a father. This is, this is James chapter four, verse eight. And it very simply says, if you'll draw close to me and I'll draw near to you. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. If you'll draw close to me, I'll draw near to you. Have you ever heard a parent say, as my son as my daughter is getting older, we're getting closer. Have you ever heard someone say something like that? Now, they may live in the same house. They may live feet away. Their bedrooms may be only across the hallway. And yet they say a phrase like that, as, as they grow older, we're getting closer. What does that mean? What are, what are they trying to communicate? They're, they're saying that as my kid is growing in maturity, as my kid is growing in intelligence and life experiences, we're being, we're being able to connect differently. Our emotions are more similar. Our understandings of life are, are closer. We are building memories together. It wasn't a distance of miles. It was a distance of relationship that's being closed every day. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you is a promise of a father. What set apart what set apart the heroes of the faith? 
What set apart Abraham or David or Joel or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Paul or Peter? What set apart maybe our more modern people like Tozer or Paul Washer or Dietrich Bonhoeffer? What set these people apart? They didn't know about God. They knew him. There was a relationship with him. Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. This is where we're going to spend our time. So if we move away from this, keep your finger there. We'll be going back. Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 4. Those people, those heroes of the faith, they knew God. They sought relationship with him. And knowing God, seeking him, is the answer to the question that Jesus raises with one of his most famous parables. I had no idea that Pastor Ben was going to speak on this parable last Friday or bring it up again over the weekend. But I'm excited to spend a little time in it with you. This parable asks a very pointed question, and it's subtle, but it's so clear. And now you already know the answer before we found the question. Luke chapter eight, verse four. Now, as Jesus traveled around doing miracles, people wanted to hear and see this magician, question mark, this great speaker, this this person who is able to, to entertain. They wanted to see people get healed. They wanted to see all this stuff. And so large crowds would gather. And so he's looking at people that most of them don't even care who he is. They just want to see the show. And then there's a few speckled in there that were genuinely seeking. And so Jesus would teach in parables, these these little stories. And he knew that those who cared would dig into these parables. They would savor them. They would try to figure them out. And those that didn't care, they would just move on. And this is one of those parables that he's telling a large crowd. This is Luke chapter eight, verse four. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. So Jesus is so relatable. He's talking to them about a chore that almost all of them would have done. Like maybe if Jesus was here, he'd be like, someone went crabbing. I don't know. What's something that you guys all love doing? So he tells them this parable, something that they relate to. A sower goes out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. So as he's he's scattering seed, the wind picks it up and it blows it over to a footpath in the field. Now, because it's a footpath, it's been walked on, the clay is beaten down. So the seed just sort of bounces off of it. And the seed is left exposed for the birds to come eat it. Verse six, and some fell on rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So you have this soil that looks good, but right below the surface is rock. So as the seed begins to grow, it has no anchor system. It has no roots. It can't pull moisture from the soil. It has nothing to stand up with, but it looks good from the surface. Let's keep going. Verse seven, and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So again, the soil looks good. It looks normal, but very deceivingly in the soil with the good seed is a seed that's going to grow thorns that eventually grow up with it. And they're competing for nutrients. They're competing for for moisture and eventually it 
chokes it out, where this, the good seed can't live. Verse eight, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. She who has ears to hear, pay attention, is what Jesus is saying. So this last soil, it was well tilled, it was moist, it was, it was full of fertilizer, it was everything that the seed could use to grow beautifully. Now you've already got the answer. But what's the question that he's asking with this? If you'll notice, the seed is the same. He doesn't change seed. What's different? The environment, the soils. This is the parable of the soils, of different soil. So the question that I hope is starting to surface for you is what kind of soil are you? How will you receive God's word? You follow me? And you already know the answer. Seeking Jesus, having a relationship with God. That's how we respond if we're choosing to be good soil. Verse nine, this is interesting. Because remember, I told you that some people in the crowd, they just don't even care. They just hear the story and they move on. But there's gonna be people there that care. People there that lean in. People there that are talking about this on the way home. They wanna figure this out. And so who is it that cares? The disciples of Jesus, verse nine. And when the disciples asked him about it, we know from Matthew that they ask him later. They go to him and they're like, tell us what this means. So they're seeking, they want to know. What did the parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. To who? Those who are seeking, those who are fertile soil, those who want to know him. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. If you're not with me yet, I'm in verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Pause. What does that mean? What is the word of God? Anyone? Word of God? Come on. Come on. The Bible? Yes. Why is the Bible the word of God? Keep coming. Because God wants us to know it. Anybody? Why is the Bible the word of God? Oh, man, come on. Say what? Spiritual guide? Absolutely. Yes, Sawyer. God spoke these words into existence. Do you have a verse to go with it? Google it. It's a good one. It's very, it's God's very word. God breathed. The second one, you might not have thought of yet. There's a second word of God that we find in Scripture. You find it right there in John Chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So now we have to stop. Wait a minute, hold on. What are the implications of this? Jesus is the word of God. He is the bridge between unknowable God and knowable man. Jesus is the revelation of God. He's the one that communicates what God wants for us to know about him. So we have written scripture, and then we have the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, and the work of Jesus, including his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And we are so blessed that people throughout history 
bled and gave their lives to fight to put all of that into one place between two covers for us. If you want to learn more about that, you can go check out the Elevate Student Ministry podcast and go check out the Book of Books series. And we talk about how the Bible came together and it's beautiful. So what kind of soil are you? How will you receive God's word? Will you be the fertile soil that grows and produces fruit? So it's the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Whoa. As in, there's, there's two culprits here. Did you catch both culprits? The seed lands on hard soil. These are people whose hearts are hard towards the Lord. And because they're hard towards the Lord, they're vulnerable for the enemy to come and bring distraction and to snatch it away. Verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. Maybe it's, maybe it's new believers that it's the first time that someone goes, what, you're a Christian? I don't, mm -mm. I don't want to hear a thing you have to say anymore. Or maybe, maybe the testing is that something really bad happens. We lose a loved one or, or get bad diagnosis or, or something happens. And it's like, oh man, how could, how could a good God let a bad thing like this happen when I'm, I'm over here trying? And so whether it's testing through persecution or through difficult times, they don't have a root system and they fall over. Let's keep going. Verse 14, and as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and their fruit does not mature. Choked, choked. That is a violent word. It's not like, oh, by the way, they were sharing moisture until they croaked. This is, they were choked out. But you know what's crazy about thorns? You know what's crazy about the, the cares and the pleasures of this world that can rob our commitment? Is that it is slow growth. At what point are you starving to death? Is it an hour after your last meal? Is it a day after your last meal? Is it, is it a week? At what point are you starving to death? It's a slow, you can't pinpoint it exactly where it is. But what happens is they grow up and they desire the things of this world and they, they want them. I want to be beautiful. I want to get to the party. I want to have the popularity. I want to make more money. I want these things. And they start realizing that their Christian convictions don't line up with the things that they want, so they change their convictions. And they've selected their new God and they move on with their lives. Choked out. Verse 15, and as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and they bear fruit with patience. Elevate, if, if you haven't given and surrendered your life to Jesus, I challenge you, oh, I desperately beg you to turn to him. And it's not easy. We talk about free grace. It's not free grace because it costs you less. It's free grace because you have nothing to pay. And yet, 
It wasn't free for Jesus at all. It cost him his entire life, brutally dying at the hands of sinners so that he could take our place. So that when God looks at us, he sees his perfect son. And when he looked at his perfect son on the cross, he saw our sin. It was a high cost. And there's no other response for a genuine believer than to call Jesus King, the risen Jesus King, and to give our lives back. That's the gospel. And maybe, I would wonder if maybe some of you have, you said the prayer, you've, you've been as serious as you can, and you think to yourself, man, well, nothing's different. I don't feel different. I'm not really sure what's supposed to happen next. I didn't have like a lightning moment. I didn't like fall on the ground and cry. I'm not really sure where, where I'm supposed to go from here. I'm so glad you're with me tonight. Thanks for coming to Elevate. Imagine you're on a boat, right? You're on a boat and this boat represents that you're, you're launching off into your life with Christ, right? So you're standing in the stern, you're in the back of the boat, and you grab the mooring line, the rope that's holding to the dock, and you throw off the rope. And you're like, I'm off on my journey with Christ. Everything looks the same. Well, yeah, you're 12 inches from the dock. No, no, tonight, let's talk about what it is to turn around and go to the bow of the boat and to look where Jesus is calling us to get our sails open, to get the propeller going, however you want to use this analogy and start heading out of the harbor. And I promise you, if you will commit your life to Christ, if you will lean into him, if you'll pursue relationship with him, if you'll draw close to him and he draws close to you, someday you're going to look back and you're going to look and the horizon will have swallowed up all of the land that you left behind, all of the old you will be so far away, it'll be distant. And you may still see some of your old nature way back there, but just turn your eyes back towards Christ. It's gonna look different, but it matters where our focus is. So whether you've been a Christian for an hour, whether you've been a Christian for the last 10 years, or whether you haven't accepted Christ yet, we all have the same direction. We all have the same direction that we're going from here. Keep your thumb in Luke and turn your Bible to Colossians. Uh, this is going to be in the last quarter of your Bible. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing to Colossae. And he's writing about how he prays for them. Oh, that we would have people in our lives that prayed for us like this. That we would be the kind of people that prayed for others like this. Colossians chapter one, verse nine. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What is he asking? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing, what? Increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Paul doesn't want them to know about God. You can spend the rest of your life studying commentaries and reading books and sitting in sermons and going to church, and you can know a whole bunch about God and never once met him. Many are going to say when they stand before him in judgment, Lord, Lord, I did all this stuff for you. I was at church. I helped people. I gave out food. I did everything. And they're going to hear the most painful, awful response possible. Depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they knew about him. They never knew him. So how do we get this shit moving? How do we, how do we get on the bow and begin to pursue God? I'll give you... I give you five things. The first, we've already talked about it, is right here. Studying scripture is the beginning, it's the middle, and it's the end of a Christian life. We study it from beginning to end over and over, and every every time, I've got great news for you, it never gets old. Every time we you open up scripture, you see something new. This morning, I read the story of Mephibosheth in Second Samuel 8, and it came to life in a way I'd never read it before. As this, this God's word is beautiful. We pray. We study God's word and we pray. We begin conversation with God. How on earth could you be friends with someone if you never speak to them? Have you ever listened to hear what they have to say? So we study God's word and we, and we pray. Second, we begin to remember on a regular basis that what is spiritual and eternal is actually more real than the physical. What shirt we wear or what how we look today, if we made a good investment or whatever, all of that pales in comparison to eternity. What is eternal and spiritual is more real than the physical. Remember the rope that we laid out last week? We have to begin to live for what is more important. We begin to live for what is lasting, what is not gonna fade away. Your money's gonna come and go. What you look like is going to change. Your popularity goes up and down. It doesn't matter. All that stuff pales in comparison to eternity. So we study God's word and we pray. We have a memory that what is eternal and spiritual is more real, more important, more lasting than the physical. Third, is this getting louder? Testing, testing. Wow. Third, we begin the practice of awareness of God's presence. See, Christians know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. But we forget that God is here with me. Imagine yourself as a blind person sitting on a park bench. Until you know that someone's sitting next to you, you can't start conversation. You can't begin to build a friendship. You're just 
in ignorance. We spend so much of our time focused right here, getting past the end of our nose, and what is spiritual and what is eternal is more real than what is physical. We forget that the God of the universe loves his people so much that he's with them. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Every minute of your day that you forget that he's with you, your relationship with him is sitting at a red light. It takes discipline to practice the presence of God. But it's a discipline that changes everything. Consider, consider that sin that you struggle with so often. What's going to happen to that in the light of your consciousness that God is with you, calling you to holiness? That person that you have a hard time loving, how would that change when you remember that the God of love is with you, calling you to love? Practice the presence of God. So study God's word and pray. Remember spiritual and eternal, more important than the physical, and practice the presence of God. He's with us. Then fourth is time and intentionality. That showing up to church, coming on a Wednesday night, prayers before bed, a five-minute devotional, making every conference and every event does not compensate for spiritual bankruptcy. It takes intentionality that you are spending time with your Lord. You're spending time with your Father. Make a date with Jesus. Tomorrow, at this time to this time, I'm carving that out. That's my time with the Lord. And then the day after that, you plan the next day. The next day, this time and this time. I've got a busy schedule, so I'm going to fit it in here. But this one, this time is my time with the Lord. Time and intentionality. Do you know how to spell love? T-I-M-E. That's how we love the Lord. One of the ways is that we give him time and intentionality. And then the last one is we believe. We have faith. But this faith is tricky. You watch a commercial, and it says, this toothpaste whitens teeth. What do you have faith in if you buy that toothpaste? Yeah, you have faith in the toothpaste. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what the commercial said. If they hire a new coach at your school, and they say, this coach is going to lead us to victory, where is your faith? It's in the coach, right? So your faith has an object. So what is it that a Christian can hold on to? What is it a Christian can anchor in? I'll give you two things. And may they rock your world. They're so simple. That God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he's going to do. God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do. All the attributes of God that he has revealed through his word, that they're true that God is a God of justice, that God is a God of mercy, that God is a God that judges, that God is a God that died on the cross for the sake of you and me. God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do. And if you can hold on to that, if you believe those things, then you're able to surrender your life. 
Jesus says, if you would follow me, deny yourself, let go of your life, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to give you your get out of hell free card, go live your life. He says, no, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I will be your example. Wow, that changes everything. It's a life of what? Sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. It's a life of love. It's a life of standing for truth, even when it's unpopular. When we believe that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do, then we'll be obedient. We'll read God's word and say, okay, God's word is the authority over me. I don't get to decide what God's will is. God decides what his will is. I don't try to get my will into heaven. I try to humble myself so heaven's will will get into me. I'll obey. I'll surrender my life and I'll obey because I believe he is who he says he is and I believe he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. And he says that if I will put his kingdom first, he'll take care of me. If you believe that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he's gonna do, then you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness. You'll pursue holiness. You'll try to, you'll fight with everything you've got to do what's right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what we're called to do as his people. But faith, as you see in these three things that I've given you, these three examples, faith, as long as it stays up here, is not faith. James actually says that if faith doesn't come with works, if faith doesn't come with action, then faith is dead. It doesn't exist. It's just not even faith. Elijah and I have been bouncing this story back and forth. But I want to bring it up again because it's such a great, great story. There's a tightrope walker named Charles Blondine. And one of his great feats was he stretched out a tightrope over Niagara Falls. Over Niagara Falls. He was hundreds of feet up. 1,600 foot across. And he would do these crazy antics. He would go out on, on like a, a pogo stick or something, and he would, he would do these crazy things. One time, he actually, he brought a stove, like a fire, like you start, start a fire in, brought a stove out in the middle and cooked himself an omelet. It, I mean, he did like, it was just crazy antics. So one day, the crowd is there all gathering. They all want to see what he's going to do or die. And he brings a wheelbarrow barrow to the edge of the rope. And he says, who thinks that I could put someone in this wheelbarrow, take them all the way across and back safely? And the crowd goes, yeah, you're awesome. And he said, who wants to get in? And they all went, hmm. One man did it took him out and brought him back. Where did faith begin? Did faith begin shouting in the crowd, yay, you're awesome? No, faith began the moment that man stepped into the wheelbarrow. So what I'm saying that we, we pursue relationship with Christ, 
And we do it through remembering about eternity, and we do it through a study of his word, and we do it through walking in an awareness with him, we do it through time and intentionality, and we do it through faith. It means that our relationship with him doesn't just stay text message surface level relationship. Our relationship with him is to follow him. A relationship like that receives the word. A relationship with that can't be choked out with the cares of this world because he's so much more important. A relationship like that doesn't doesn't fall over in rocky soil when things get hard and, and there's challenging situations because we have an anchor. We have someone that we trust. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to us. The seed of God's word grows in the fertile soil of relationship. That's worth writing down. The seed of his word grows in the fertile soil of relationship. It makes all the difference. So I challenge you, elevate. Do you know about God? Or do you know him? If you're sitting and you're like, you know what, I've been in church forever. This is my first time. Maybe you think you know a lot about him. But I challenge you to challenge yourself. Because we're talking about two very different futures. And one is a future that was fought for for you out of his great love. He's worth everything that you might sacrifice. Repent if you don't know him. Give your life to him. Get into his word. Talk to people that love him. Chase him with your life and he'll draw close to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to teach your word I thank you for that guy that got into the wheelbarrow and made this such a fun illustration. I thank you for every soul in this room, oh God, that you would lay claim to every one of them. Lord, I thank you for our e-groups. Bless them. Bless the e-group leaders. Help them to, to lead well, to facilitate discussion. Help them to dig deep into what we've been talking about tonight. And I pray that you are building relationships between your people in here and yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.